Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact here in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold of 105 Through the Fan. And joining us today... She's become a good friend now. She is the CEO of DallasDog.org. She's going to talk about animal rescues, dogs in particular, rescue, rehab, and reform programs. And there's a certain Frenchie from Dallas that was invited to compete in the Puppy Bowl, Puppy Bowl 20, this Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, it's an amazing story. Patty, how you doing, Patty Dawson? Great, great, very well. I just want to know right off the bat, I know everything's been kind of hectic around the, around the DallasDog.org because you've got Lulu, who, who I was able to adopt, who we call Coda now. Lulu's now like the big star of the Dallas part of the, the puppy bowl. I mean, this is an amazing thing. She is. She is. Um, she came in with her siblings, um, with cleft palates, um, uh, cleft lips, sorry. And mm-hmm. then they um didn't we didn't think they would make it. We lost one out of the three. And she has been in training with her foster, I think from day one. She's always been that like rough and tumble kind of girl. And she was selected last year to star in the super uh the puppy bowl. And man, has she rocked it. Oh my goodness. Again, I had no idea that she had been invited to the puppy bowl until just literally last month. I mean, you guys were under a non-disclosure and my whole family yes. is so excited about the whole thing, but I, I'm, I'm serious. This has probably been a, a big whirlwind for DallasDog.org. And you mentioned her foster care. You're talking about Annie. Is that who you're talking about? Yes. Annie. Mm-hmm. Annie is. So she is just the godsend. We were so grateful to have the opportunity to adopt a little Lulu and Lulu, for those who don't know is a, she's now seven months old, but she is a little French bulldog puppy. And you mentioned y'all rescued her. I was absolutely amazed that there were French bulldogs that had to be rescued. But I, I guess apparently somebody was not happy that they weren't perfect. Right. Yes. Unfortunately, they were from a breeder. And he. we actually ended up getting their mom a few months uh, later. Um, mm-hmm. And she was in pretty rough shape. But, yeah, he basically said he was actually going to drown them because they couldn't bring them any money. We're going to talk about the puppy bowl a little bit a little bit later because uh, it happens yes. later today. But 
Let's talk about what DallasDog.org does because I think it's so special. Uh, a lot of people, they like to adopt pets, uh, whether it's a dog or a cat or someone else, it's some other animal that's special. And uh, I think what you guys do is just absolutely remarkable. Can you talk about how long DallasDog.org or Dallas Dog RRR has been around and, and um, how, many, yeah. how many lives you've changed and, and, and those kind of things? Absolutely. So we established the nonprofit in 2015. We're coming up next year on our 10 year anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, we established um, the whole package rescue. So there's all different types of rescues around the Metroplex. So a little bit about us is our mission is to rescue um, abandoned dogs. We also have some cats um, and those um, and then re- rehabilitate. So we don't just stop at rescuing. Mm-hmm. We rehabilitate behavior, emotional and medical. Um, from top to bottom. So mm-hmm. we do everything that's needed to give them that second chance at life. But we don't stop there because we know that the problem, we can do all the saving in the world. However, there's still a bigger problem at hand, right? Um, right. The infrastructure, the laws, the things like that. So we also work to reform. And that's our third R is the reforming the community through um, multiple ways. We have a hero project. We have a community outreach program. We have um I often am up on Capitol Hill fighting. Um, I was recently as part of the passing the no puppy stores in Dallas. I stood and spoke with um, a little Frenchie I had that was purchased at Petland. So it's kind of the whole package. So we realized we can't end the problem just by saving dogs. We also want to educate the community, the people and that kind of thing. And again, Patty, you've done such outstanding work over the years. Uh, I think, I guess the game plan is to try your best to eliminate animal neglect. Yes, as much as we can, making sure we're high um, enforcers of spay and neuter. Um, Since being in, I guess it's going on 10 years, we've rescued over 8,000, almost 8,000 dogs and cats. So pretty significant impact, we feel like. Um, So yeah, our goal is to enforce that animal cruelty. We have had major cases, um, We've gone to court and and had charges filed and kind of working on that legislative as well. And then we've also worked on um, helping those families. A big program we have is helping families at risk that they're losing their dogs because they can't afford it Mm -hmm. or they don't have food. So we're also advocating for people to find ways for people to keep their animals. We know people love animals and you don't have to be rich to own an animal. We have we help a lot of the homeless um, Mm -hmm. with vetting and getting the supplies that they need. Um, you know, just so that they can keep their dog in an, in an adequate and, you know, vetting and all of the things that they need. Let's talk about that angle just a little bit and flesh it out, because I think that's a, a lot of people never hear about that part. And for you guys to take up on take what take that challenge on as well is, is pretty amazing. When did you guys start doing that? And can you tell a, a story or two of how you've helped some families keep their pets? Yeah, so we've had several we've done. So how it kind of started was about four years ago, I rescued a dog called Serenity from Houston, and Mm -hmm. she had a huge tumor on her face. But there was something about her. I didn't know if we could save her or if it was something that was removable. Sometimes we get lucky. Hers, unfortunately, was terminal. But I fostered her. And when I brought her into my home, she was um, lovely. Like, there was just something about her deposition. She just disposition. I'm sorry. If she just, um, 
she was just kind, sweet. Mm -hmm. I felt like she was loved, right? Mm -hmm. And whether she was let go and found as a stray because maybe the the tumor was a very fast-growing tumor and whether they let her go because they couldn't afford it thinking she would get help or maybe they didn't know what to do. So I was sitting here one night and my brain moves a, a million miles an hour. And I said, you know, there's so many dogs that go into the shelter not because they're unwanted, but because we get called from ER because they can't afford it. So we started about five years ago, the Serenity Project, we called it that. And it was really geared for helping families that couldn't afford care and we would help them. Um, In the last two years, we've actually changed it to be more, it's called the Hero Project. And it actually is more inclusive to cover like pet rent. We had somebody call us last year. They had um, four dogs. They lost their home and everything and were moving into an apartment. Two of them were ESA dogs, but two of them were not. And the pet rent and pet deposit was more than she could afford. So she reached out and we put out a plea to our, we call them heroes, that people that participate in that project, that when there's a cause, we it's like a phone chain. We mm-hmm. send out messages and they support. And we were able to raise a year's rent and both pet deposits. Wow. So we were able, she was able to keep her dogs. Um Another story, they had adopted a dog from DAS. He was very sick. He come to, he had come down with distemper, and it was Christmas, and the family had just lost their father. And it was a very emotional. They went in, got a dog probably just to kind of – and the dog was really sick, and they could not afford to treat it. So we had it go to the ER, treated it, and were able to get that dog back home to his family. So, um, you know, there's there's times where I, I don't know, sometimes if I could come up with six thousand dollars to pay an emergency bill to save my dog, you know, and it's just nice to know that program's there. And some people pay it back and say, hey, we here's a donation. And then some people just can't. And, you know, that's OK. It's just about making sure that the animal gets what it needs, whether it's food, vaccines, prevention, spay and neuter. We're here to help. We're talking with Patty Dawson. She's the CEO of DallasDog.org about pet rescues and changing people's lives. I, I say that because it's so significant and it's amazing how many pets you do rescue and how many families and lives you change. Can you, can you talk about uh, some of the situations where you're able to rescue certain pets? In other words, uh, what's the most common thing that happens and what's some unusual situations where you guys came to the rescue? So um, we get a lot of owner surrenders. That's a, that's a chronic that seems to be something people looking for. They found the dog. A lot of people have um, either let their dog loose or some people dump them out. Mm-hmm. We, we on the were, side have of the road. That were, yeah. yeah, on the road. And, so we get a lot of them and, there. And maybe um, maybe in, maybe in nice neighborhoods because they think, okay, somebody in this neighborhood might be able to Somebody in the neighborhood the will help. That yeah. is becoming more and more chronic. Um, you know, initially it was like hidden roads. But yeah. now I live up in Allen and we recently had, which a pit bull and her puppies dropped at the corner of a very nice neighborhood. And not that that was not from that neighborhood, but we're even the shelter was like, we think that someone along the way um, put it in knowing that someone would help it. Yeah. And we're, you know, not that that wouldn't happen, but it's highly, we don't see that kind of stray population up here. We mm-hmm. see dogs mm-hmm. get out, but yeah. not, you know, a stray population. Right. And I think, you know, more and more, like we see a lot of um, uh, mom and pups that we, we find them like sheltered hunger. We just got one that we rescued last week. She uh, was in South Texas and she had hid under, I guess, to deliver under a, a ramp. And a handicap wrap and she couldn't get out. And the fire department came and 
got her out and um, she ended up delivering uh, nine puppies at the shelter. And we, we got them home. We got them up to Dallas Monday night. So now they're in foster, but all sorts of rescues uh, from owner surrenders to on the street, to the shelter, to good Samaritans picking up dogs, asking for help. Mm -hmm. You know what I've, I've noticed, or at least I've heard you tell me if this is true with DallasDog.org. It seems like this is the time of the year because sometimes, you know, People will get give a pet as a Christmas gift, and then they find out that that family or the kids they can't handle it, or and so all of a sudden you've got a lot of pets that you know need to be rescued this time of the year, like the beginning of a year. Is is this is this true with DallasDog.org? Yes, we see that. We and it's funny because we were just actually talking about this last night. We wow. got a really. Um, we got some really cute puppies in January. And when I say like, not that any puppy, I don't want to, all puppies are cute. Right. right, right. But a couple of these were like, we think maybe purebreds that got crossbred with mm-hmm. something else, or like two little puppies came in. They were darling. We found out they were pug. We did DNA and they were pug mixes. So, and they were in a basket on a stair in an apartment complex right after like two weeks after Christmas. And mm-hmm. we're like, they were perfect. Mm-hmm. So yes, we see more and more of that around Christmas that I think people get a gift or they don't talk it out as a family. And then it's more than they can handle handle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so next thing, and you a know, lot of people don't know what to do. So right. some people have a, a really scary sense of the shelter that they'll euthanize. And unfortunately right now, there's so many dogs coming in. It's an uncertainty. So I think people think they're doing better by, if I put it here, it'll get rescued or someone will step up. And, you know, I think it's what we try really hard to educate and say, you know, do, you know, they just don't, a lot of times you just don't know Mm -hmm. that they have a fear of this shelter. And, Mm -hmm. and so sometimes people don't know what to do with an animal. They don't longer want. You really have a, 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 an excellent organization and I'm bringing up the organization part because for those who don't know exactly what all it takes to uh, adopt a pet or, you know, how to help, help a a pet find shelter. You actually have a a foster family system. Can you talk about the Annie's of the world that you have that that actually take care of certain pets, but then they have to give them up. And I know that's kind of tough thing to do. And then they might bring in some more, but can you talk about the fostering part of it? Because I thought that was also a very significant story that a lot of people never think about. Yeah. And it's fostering is hard. I mean, there are dogs that have and cats that I've fostered both that have come into my life that are a little harder, you know, to let go. And I think that's people don't understand, but like the Annie's of the world, she takes my Neo pups. Um, she nurses them back to health and then Mm -hmm. she networks really hard and trains them and gets them, um, into foster families. And as she says, if I, she's like, if I find the perfect home, that means I can save another one. So I always say when you foster, you actually save three to four lives because you save the one that we rescued. You open up a space for someone else, whether it be the shelter or somewhere else. And then another one gets adopted. So it's like, it's like a trickle down effect. I always say we do have some foster fails and we call those people who adopt, you know, that they just can't let go. But, um, you know, you're providing, it's like fostering children mm-hmm. or foster, you know, just temporary. Yeah. You're providing them the safety, the love and the care till you find their forever family. We definitely know we can't keep them all. We saved 8,000 dogs. You know, like there, when you save 8,000 animals, there's no way. And those, right. you're, 
you know, you're finding like your family Mm -hmm. was able to be blessed with, you know, the perfect pet because somebody fostered. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always say, because you fostered somebody else is able to get the pet of their dreams and find their forever family. It's, it's so an amazing process. And I know, um, with technology lately, you know, able to, uh, get pets with families who want to adopt is, is, is actually a little bit easier because you can do some of the process online. Can you talk about what, what it takes and how you determine if certain individuals or families or couples, you know, are, are a perfect match for certain pets that you, that you have in your program? Yeah, absolutely. That's sometimes a little tougher, right? Especially Mm -hmm. like in your case, we had like amazing applications, right? So you have to like get down to the nitty gritty. Um, We're, you know, we're pretty open to educating too. We want everybody to be able to experience having a dog. So one thing we look for, um, we matchmake and we talk to you and see what is your lifestyle? What is the dog you need? Because just because you think you want this particular dog, it might not be the best fit for you. Like, and that might not be fit for your Mm -hmm. lifestyle. If you're a homebody and there are a very active dog that might not be the best fit. So we work in council, kind of see what you need. Then we also do like a home check, make sure um, the fencing and all that is secure. And, Mm -hmm. and some dogs don't need fencing and they'd be fine, but some dogs we have that are flight risk. So we kind of look at everything. We do check that reference to make sure that current pets that you have are up to date and that you, you know, you are able to take care, you are taking care of your current pets. Um, And then we just kind of match you up or, um, you know, find that perfect fat pet for your family. So it's, it takes a little time. Um, some is quick, right? Like, like the perfect match, but some, it takes a little networking and kind of finding that perfect fit for you and your family. And can you talk about like some of the different ages? Cause sometimes, you know, you might have an older pet and that might be the best pet for maybe an older couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a lot of people that will apply. We have a lot of special needs pups too. So we have people that are looking for seniors. We have a lot of seniors. Mm -hmm. Um, We look at, you know, some puppies aren't good with kids. They're jumpers. So we think that they're better. We have seniors that go, we have a few that go to, um, we have a couple fosters that are in senior living. So those Mm -hmm. are always nice. They get the touch of a pet and then we find them, you know, they find an elderly couple that are looking. Um, Some, we have some adopters that just want seniors, you know, they want, to take them and take them through the end of life. So, I mean, we have from puppies to medical cases, we have several dogs that are paralyzed. We have, you know, all of those kind of um, pups and, and we find the first, you know, the best fit. It's an amazing, like I said, it's an amazing story and it's an amazing opportunity. And I think, you know, I've talked to different, you know, uh, rescue pet services and they all mention that, since and during the pandemic, during the pandemic and since the pandemic, there were a lot of people who really wanted to be uh, united with with pets some kind of way because they were they, they were good for their mental wellness. Can you touch on that a little bit? Because I've noticed that, you know, since the pandemic, a lot of people who thought they wanted a pet or didn't know if they wanted a pet or not, all of a sudden they're embracing puppies and cats and kittens. Absolutely. Um I definitely saw, and you know, when you're alone, animals add comfort. Like I I think, you know, when you're not, when you come, they love you unconditionally. Mm -hmm. Like I often hear people say, oh, they they deserve a life. I can't give them everything they need. And 
I think through the pandemic, there were a lot of people alone, right? You couldn't go mm -hmm. out, you couldn't socialize. And that dog was always there for you. It's always going to put a smile on its face. It's going to be happy to see you. It's going to give you that um, longevity. And just to touch on, like, I often hear people say homeless, like people, homeless people shouldn't have dogs because they can't care for them. They're no shelter. Sometimes homeless people live for their dogs. Mm. It's every, they'll do everything yeah. for them because of their mental health. And I think that, you know, we have often many seniors are like, I miss my pet. I, I need that comfort. It, it just gives us a, a sense of humility, but also that sometimes the lonely, it fills that void of loneliness. And I do think more people are seeing and also being more active. They know they can take their dog out and be mm -hmm. more social with a dog. Mm -hmm. I, I've definitely seen an increase of that. More places are welcoming dogs like restaurants. And yeah. I think they're seeing that ever growing, you know, people want their dogs with them. Yeah. The fur babies. In fact, some people call them fur babies because that's the way they look at them. You know, even they might yeah. even have their own kids, but they like call them fur babies. I've definitely seen an increase of that. Like people wanting you know, that, yeah. that void filled, that right. comfort. So let's talk about, okay, I'm trying to put this in the correct order because, I again, I know you've had one heck of a last six months, and I want to get into all of that because <laughs> it's a story that needs to be told. But I was introduced to you in Dallas, DallasDog.org because I was, I was emceeing the end of a golf tournament in Las Colinas, and part of the proceeds it was, a, it was for a nonprofit, and part of the proceeds going to DallasDog.org, RRR, DallasDogRRR.org. <laughs> and they asked me to take pictures with some of the pets, and they put Lulu in my lap and took the picture, and I was like, this is a cute little dog. And I <laughs> sent that picture to my wife before I even left the golf tournament, and she said, oh, you know, the kids, they, they would love to have a, a Frenchie. We've been wanting a Frenchie forever. We've already got a standard poodle. And we also have two cats. And we have a bearded dragon. And we have a bunny rabbit. So I was like, I don't know if we can handle all this. And she goes, yes, but we've always wanted a Frenchie. And I said, okay, let me see if we might be able to adopt Lulu. And then that's what started the process. And it took several weeks. And there were other families that, you know, you guys had to consider. And we were so grateful that we were able to pass all the tests and all the muster, and we did not tell our kids until the process was over because we didn't want their hearts to get broken. But at the same time, we had to, at one point, our standard poodle hero, he had to meet Lulu because that's part of the deal, right? You got to make sure that the pets all got along, right? right? Well, hero and, and, and Lulu got along, and I think that might help have helped close the deal. I know it didn't block the deal because they got along so nope. well and they are like best friends to this day. But at the time, I think Lulu was only two months old. And as soon as you told me that, you know, we have been selected as the family and it's a perfect match, you said, but we have to take Lulu to New York and we can't tell you why we've signed non-disclosures, but Lulu's about to be famous. And for months, we had no idea what was going on. And then you broke the news. Can you tell everybody once again what the news was and how you had to keep this big secret for so long? Yeah, so we've been fortunate. And we got an email from um, the Puppy Bowl asking to back last. I don't think people realize the process. It was back in June of last year. We had to submit 
several dogs. So I submitted 10 and two of them got selected, her and Anza, who mm-hmm. Anza ended up getting adopted in New York. Okay. But she, Lulu was selected. So I was like, we didn't know what to do. Like we, we weren't allowed to tell anybody she got adopted or any of those things. Like you can't disclose any of that information. And so we, um, we were like, what do we do? Annie and I were like, what do we do? And I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna have to, I'm just gonna have to tell them the truth, but not the truth. And, uh, so then we got selected. We had to fly out at four in the morning, get to New York, do the puppy bowl, get the filming. Oh my God. It was the best experience, but the most and I was Lou. I call Lou. I was Lulu's. I call her agent for the day. <laughs> I swear that girl worked me. She was amazing <laughs> at the puppy bowl. She, oh my God, when we got there, she won, of course, everybody's hearts because she's darling she's and her personality cutie. is amazing. Mm-hmm. And so literally we were in there and they're like, Lulu over here, Lulu over there, Lulu over here. She got, um, she got selected to be in these extra photo shoots. If you've been watching the puppy bowl, she's been on many of the commercials. Yeah. She's had those, lots of spotlights. Let, me, let me stop you right here. And let's explain for those who don't know about the puppy bowl. And it's the 20th puppy bowl. I think how That's many, a big one. yeah. How many dogs are participating? It is like almost 50. Cause it's like a football. These are football teams. It's like two yeah, teams. So of- they have three days of filming. Mm-hmm. So Monday, we got there on Tuesday. So Monday were the smaller ones. Um, and then they do Tuesday, which is what we were in. And then they do Wednesday, which is the bigger dogs. Mm-hmm. So the day we and they're were from there, all over the country, right? All over the country. We had, there were people from, uh, uh, Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. um, St. Croix. Woo. They're, they're all over some Just of the rescues. Everywhere. And they're all rescue pets and, and all rescue. right. And like you said, they're all different sizes and you got team rough and team tough. And they have to be filmed. And <laughs> <laughs> which which team is Lulu on? I believe she's on team. She's the blue team. I think that's team rough. Okay. She she should be on team rough because okay. she was she was a brute. Let me tell you that I got to I got to stop down and tell you this. This is so crazy because this is how big Super Sunday is. Okay, as you know, you know, you got the big game, uh, Kansas City versus San Francisco. You got all the different commercials. Everybody's talking about that. And then there's the Puppy Bowl, which has been around for 20 years now. And there's a documentary about the filming of the Puppy Bowl that's coming out. It's not on just one network. It's on several. It's on the Animal Planet. It's on TBS. I think it's on, well, you've got the press release. This is amazing how this this event that everybody watches. And I'm going to tell you how big it is, Patty. I don't know if you heard about this. Las Vegas has just released odds on who's going to win the puppy bowl, who you can bet on. I'm ki- I kid you not. Oh, it's a big, it's so it's, it's, big. It's actually, she's actually on team fluff, but okay. Um, she, uh, yes, they'll do like, I've seen how many penalties and like the name yes. of the penalties that they'll have. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and guess deal. what? This was so funny. I'm looking at some of the dogs' names because you can bet on which dog is going to score the winning touchdown. One of the dogs is named Patrick Mabones. <laughs> another <laughs> dog, his name is Snacks Prescott. And there's another one named Zeke. And, of course, there's Lulu. And they've got all kinds of names. And I was just like, this is absolutely amazing. And, you know, people who like to bet, they will bet on anything. And that's just like – Who's going to sing the national anthem the longest or how long will it go and how short will it go? People, it's the craziest thing. 
it's a big thing. I mean, I, we were lucky enough two years ago to be in a commercial. It was before COVID. We were mm-hmm. in a commercial. And then last year we had a dog featured. And I don't think people realize like one dog was featured for 10 seconds or it's like a minute on the puppy bowl, right? Mm-hmm. They feature different rescue dogs. Mm-hmm. We got for that dog over 1500 applications. Wow. I bet from it, all it over. It brings a lot of people like you don't like they want to adopt a puppy mole dog. It's like a huge I had no idea. Like, I mean, I knew, mm-hmm. but but you didn't know. And that. then to go yeah. out this year and be a part of it was, I mean, it's okay, truly so, so, so let's amazing. let's hear some more. You, I interrupted to tell you about all the little side stuff going on. So you're in the in New York for three days. You're filming all these things, and Lulu's just blowing everybody's minds, right? She, oh yeah, she was like, oh, come here, come here, come here. And then you know, she even got some. If you see in the, uh, there's a commercial leading up to it. She's. Um, She's the uh, she's handling the keyboard, and our other pup is the cameraman. Yeah, the camera pup. Yes, yeah, like they're behind the, the scenes directing it. Yes, yeah, crazy. <laughs> and then she um she said because they you know they have it's actually really neat to see because they also have animal welfare. You know how like you'll have like agents that go out for movies that mm-hmm. protect the actors. Mm-hmm. They actually have two to three representatives in each when you're out there filming that making sure they make sure that's not heavy, that it's not going to affect the dog. It's actually really neat to see that they're, they take the welfare of the dog when filming. So you know how, when they want to do certain things, Mm -hmm. they're like, Nope, that's not going to work. Or, Oh, it's annoying her. Take it off. They're very, it's, it's, uh, it's actually really great to see. Um, but it was so much fun. She got a couple photo ops, like where she's doing, I think you, there's the one, if you guys watch, she's in a blue little sweat jacket. Well, yes. we went to the back room and that's where they did the special photo shoots where mm-hmm. like they were going to be the dogs that are featured. And I mean, they're like, bring me the MVP, bring me the MVP. Where's the MVP Lulu? And I'm like, right here. <laughs> <laughs> it was so much fun. I mean, it truly was. And it was so good to see some of these dogs featured big and small, cute to not, you know, like your average puppy. Yeah. It wasn't just purebreds it was so it was so neat to see um you know to see it and and progress and then see it all come together because a couple of people were like hey we're betting who wins i'm like <laughs> i have no idea the way they cup they yeah, cut you just in, don't know because they're editing you have no idea and, how they're gonna and, and the the puppies <laughs> do crazy things so you never know i give the director and the i guess the screenwriter credit for making it make sense right <laughs> oh, they do. Like there's, it, it's funny because you get to see the ref go out and call his little penalties mm-hmm. and Lulu was attached to that ref. So it's going to be cute to see every time he called a penalty in her group, he, she was right in his lap. Like, what are you going to say? <laughs> so it's be cute to see if they cut her in or they cut her out. And one little dog funny. kept barking the whole time. It was the cutest thing. And you know, the penalties like excessive barking and their personality. You just don't know what the dogs are going to do. It, it, it was so cute to see um like it all come to like it'll be neat to see it all come together because it'll be we have not seen it we've just seen like our section that we right right i understand what you're saying and and by the way we're talking again with patty dawson she is the ceo of dallasdog.org and they rescue pets especially dogs and lulu who we now called coda is in the puppy bowl which is happening later today at the same time i wanted to get into the fact that you know, you couldn't tell us at the time of the adoption back in October what she was going to be famous for. And, you know, our minds are whirling. Pam and the kids were like, Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. 
Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Is she going to be a movie star? Is she going to be on a TV show? Is she going to be a, a model? Is she going to be in an ad campaign? We had no idea. And you did say something about we can't say anything until the press release. We're like, oh, my goodness, this is going to be big. Now we find out. Now we find out it's the puppy bowl, but we also find out like she's one of the pets, one of the dogs, one of the puppies that are featured a lot. In fact, I think you sent me something where she's like on People Magazine's website. I mean, she's yeah. with everything, and she just did the interview with Channel Eight. Just crazy. Yes. She'll, yep. <laughs> so I mean, and she's representing Dallas. Is that right? She's representing North Texas. She's. Yeah, she has. She's a. Uh, and there's not a lot of rescues from this area in it. Mm-hmm. I think we're the only one actually from Texas that's in the puppy bowl. Wow, this is so impressive. Well, tell us also this. I mean, she's she's representing Dallas Fort Worth and North Texas and Texas. There's going to be a party. Is there anything you want to tell us about this party at all? Or is it open for everybody or is it just kind of a private thing? Because I think it's really nice that uh, that DallasDog.org and some of the different partners and, and some of the volunteers and foster foster groups are, are getting together to, to watch the puppy bowl. Yes, it, we're so excited. It has been like, as much as it's been exciting for you, we've not really been able to talk about it. And mm-hmm. we've been planning this and we're just, it's like, it's like that, I guess, like when you finally get married or you finally have that baby <laughs> and it's so exciting <laughs> that we can talk about it. But um, yeah, we're going to be at Hop and Sting and it's a public get together. We're going to have a watch party for 12 to grapevine, 5. right? Grapevine? In Grapevine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have some sponsors. There's going to actually be a mobile um, uh a mobile dog bather, groomer, and oh, cut look nails. Out. Um, and then um, Vaqueros, their, uh, oh my God, their barbecue is amazing. They're going to be there. They're open special for us. Um, we're also going to have our own Team Rough and Team Fluff puppies there that mm-hmm. you can adopt. Oh, nice. Um, available for adoption. And Lulu will be there doing selfies and potographs. Mm-hmm. Potographs. I like that. Potographs. She'll be doing. Potographs. So, this is so great. <laughs> Well, you, and you'll get to meet her and mm-hmm. you in person. Yep, I'll be there. And Pam and the kids will all be there because this is, like I said, this is once in a lifetime moment. I mean, my goodness, the puppy it's like bowl, the red carpet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I, I know you guys have been planning on this a long, long time, and I mean, you, it's a lot of preparation along with what you normally do. So are you prepared? Because you mentioned the last time that you had a a, a puppy involved. 
it was the puppies on camera for just a few seconds or a minute or two, and you got all this response. What do you think is going to be the response after what happens in the puppy bowl this year? Are you ready for oh, all of that? <laughs> I mean, we're ready as we can be. We already have a, a response to everybody that it does apply that Lulu and Anza are already adopted. Mm-hmm. So we do have that typed up to let everybody know that they have that found their forever family, but that we have many pups available for adoption and um, looking for homes. Um, we're hopeful. We've already had some people, once it went released, a lot of people applied, like, is she available? Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, we still weren't allowed to say she was adopted. So, mm-hmm. um, but now we've let some of the people that know that they're interested in her, that she is adopted, but that we have other babies yes, available. But yes, we're fingers crossed the last time it crashed our website. So um, <laughs> we're hoping. <laughs> oh, my we goodness. We crashed the, 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 where you apply. But yeah. It, 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 you know, people are like, we can't get in. I'm like, you're just going to give it time. Yeah, all if, if you're patient. So, yeah, just be patient. Yeah. Give it a couple of days or a couple of hours. It'll be back. And, and I, I will say this as well. DallasDogRRR.org and just DallasDog.org. You guys are such a phenomenal organization. If anybody wanted to participate, whether it's volunteer, whether partner, corporate sponsorship, um, just adopt or, or, or even, you know, they can't handle the pet that they have and they want to take it to someplace nice. Where can they find more information? And is there anything special you want to let everybody else know today before we let you go? Uh, just that, you know, we can always use fosters. That's going to put that out there that we can always use fosters and the rescue covers everything. We pay for the medical toys, supplement. We have trainings, all of that. Um, volunteers, you can go to our website at www.dallasdog.org. Um, apply to volunteer. Um, know that we also have resources. If you find a pet or not sure what to do with a pet, we can help guide you in the process. We may not be able to take it in at that time, but we can helpfully give you the support. And, you know, if you're in need of, you know, supplies and can't get them or can't afford them, you can apply for our assistance program as well. So we're here to help as much as we can possibly, you know, we can do to give you the support you need. She is Patty Dawson, the CEO of DallasDog.org. Patty, we've got to have you on again real soon. Thank you so much for joining us, and I'll see you later today. Joining us right now from the American Heart Association, we've got Dr. Kamala Tamarisa, and we also have Jeannie Iyer. She's the Vice President of Health Strategies North Texas with the American Heart Association. And guess what? We need to talk about the Bold Hearts Initiative and the Nation of Lifesavers Initiative. Hey, Jenny, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing just great. Can you talk a little bit about the bold hearts? And then we're going to hear from the great doctor in just a little bit. Absolutely. The American Heart Association is really working to be bold in our mission of training one person in every household across the country in CPR. Uh, we're, we're, that's our mission. We're trying to, to be bold in it, be brave in it and to really have um, some really great work that comes out of it and hopefully lots of lives saved. I think it's an important opportunity for, like you said, to try to curtail the uh, incidence of cardiac arrest. I think there's over 350,000 that happen all of the time. Can you can you talk about some of the numbers and, and who started this initiative? Because I think it's a great idea. Jenny? Absolutely. Absolutely. So there are, you're spot on about 350,000 sudden sudden cardiac arrests happen each year. And right now we're looking at about 
10% of those that suffer from a sudden cardiac arrest actually survive. Mm -hmm. And we want to change that number. We want more people to survive. And one way to do that is to ensure that everyone in our community is educated on hands-only CPR and can feel confident in performing CPR in the case of an emergency. Uh, when you're talking numbers, right now we know that across North Texas, we've got about 30% of the general population that would be ready to perform CPR as a bystander if somebody were to have a cardiac arrest in front of them. And, and we want that number to get significantly higher uh, because we want more people to survive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, many of us saw saw the very unfortunate event of, uh, during the Buffalo Bills game That's where Jamar right. Hamlin suffered a sudden cardiac arrest. Mm -hmm. And he's joining us in this effort um, because through his, his life was saved because of the immediate actions that happened on that field of, of starting CPR immediately, bringing in an AED and, and utilizing it. And, and we want that to happen, not just on an NFL field. We want that to happen in every community, and Damar Hamlin does as well, and he's joining us in this, uh, this initiative to ensure that CPR is more widely available to communities everywhere and that we increase that rate of survival, that it's not just one in 10, but that we have uh, infinitely more people surviving sudden cardiac arrest outside of a hospital. This is such a, a great ironic tie-in because, you know, uh, Super Bowl Sunday is today and, and people are going to be watching the big game. But when that happened to Mar Hamlin last year, there were millions upon millions of people watching because they didn't know if the game was going to resume. They didn't know if they are going to stop the game. They didn't know if he had lost his life on the field. They didn't know what was going to happen next. But not only did he survive and thanks to the the first responders you know performing cpr immediately but he was able to resume his career and this is where i'm going to ask the cardiologist who's with us here dr tamarisa can you talk about what you know about what happened that day and how cpr can not only save lives but actually help you get back to yourself again Absolutely. So just like Jenny was mentioning, Chris, it's so important to deliver timely CPR. You know, previously we would focus on, you know, mouth-to-mouth -mouth respiratory support and mm -hmm. all those, but that is not important. The most important thing is to get that circulation back on because the brain needs blood uh, supply within three minutes. It's a very short time from the time they go down, every minute counts and the survival goes up. So that's important. And if I may take a step back and just give more statistics you know damar hamlin's event really touched all our hearts yeah. but today you look at uh, athletes student athletes this is a very important message the number one killer for student athletes is sudden cardiac arrest is that right yes wow it's not the traffic accidents it is that uh, so that's important and I'll add something to American Heart Association, Go Red. This month is Go Red for Women and Heart Disease Month. And I'll add another statistic to that. 50% of the women, when they go down, do not receive effective CPR. So there is a gap in, uh, you know, CPR is delivered right away on the scene for men, but not so much, unfortunately, for women. So just wanted to add those two facts, something we need to increase awareness and get to it right away. 
And, uh, you know, the timing, timing and timing, if you see someone go down, the first thing is uh, check and make sure they're able to talk or responding. If they don't, the next step right away is to call 911 or have someone else do that and then get into doing the CPR. And it's very easy, like Jenny said, just uh, use two hands and wrap your fingers around and lower third of the sternum, deliver about two compressions per second mm-hmm. or you know, 100 to 120 compressions per minute. So it's very fast. But if you're getting tired, ask another bystander there, hey, I'm getting tired. I need you to come in and do the CPR for me. So continue that cycle until the EMTs arrive, just like in Damar's case. They did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. They'll come in and they'll have an AED. Um, if it's a shockable rhythm, they'll um, get the shock and there we can improve the survival. Dr. Tomarisa, how do you know as a cardiologist, but as a citizen, that what you're doing is working. In other words, does the person come to, does the heart uh, resume beating? How do you know that what you're doing, you, you, you know, you've, you've made a difference or how do you know when to stop? Okay. Um, great question. So, you know, a few things. Uh, you'll so- start to see the chest rising. So the person starts to breathe. So you can, you know, that's visible. For people who can palpate, I mean, you know, the pulse, um, you don't want to pause the CPR. But if you have chest is starting to rise and they're breathing on their own, they start to move, they open their eyes. And then you can, you know, if you have a few minutes, just check the pulse with a carotid um, right on the neck. Just like, check the pulse. And uh, of course, in cases, uh, patients to come and say, hey, I'm back. I mean, you know, um, you'll know just by um, their response to you. That is amazing. Again, it's all about saving lives. And it's sometimes it's just so simple to do. And as you mentioned, who knew the student athletes? That's how a majority of them have lost their lives. Jenny, can you talk about, I mean, a story here or there about how, you know, Maybe someone passes out on an airplane or maybe they fall out in a restaurant and how it's just about being quick or at least alert enough to say, I think I can do this. Jenny? Absolutely. That's what you said is key. Anybody can save a life with their two hands. You don't have to you know, go to medical school. You don't have to get extra training. Uh, just being there and starting compressions immediately is the key to improving survival. CPR can double or triple a person's chances of survival post a sudden cardiac arrest. And we have a, we get wonderful stories almost every day of of people uh, having performed CPR or knowing someone uh, where uh, their life was saved. We have a, a wonderful story of actually somebody that works in our office that works at the American Heart Association that, you know, is able to talk about uh, CPR all the time, but it came to real life for her when she was walking on a trail mm-hmm. uh, outside in, in Fort Worth and came upon a, a gentleman who had a sudden cardiac arrest. And there were four people standing around, you know, really just not, they didn't know what to do. You, you're in shock yeah. sometimes, right? You know, yeah. you know that you, you're supposed to do something, but you don't, you, right. you move. And, and she was able to come in and and start CPR and he lived. Um, he was uh, started. They called nine one one. She performed CPR as soon as um, as she got to him, and the emergency services took him to a hospital. And he was able. Um, he it's about been about a year now, and he is 
still sending pictures of, of times he's getting with his family that he would not have had had she not performed CPR. So that timing piece is critical. Um, got to put those hands on the chest and not, you know, we, our hope in this message as bold hearts and nation of lifesavers is to remove some of that fearfulness that people realize that, you know, CPR you can do by putting your hands on the center of a person's chest and just applying that pressure. You can save a life. You really can. Exactly. You can save a life. We're talking with Jenny Iyer, Vice President of Health Strategies with North Texas uh, from the American Heart Association, and of course, cardiologist Dr. Kamala Tamarisa. And 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 Jenny, I heard again. You mentioned first responders, no, but regular people can do this. I've heard that nine-year-old kids can do this if they learn how to do it. Nine-year-olds can. Can you talk about? Because that's why I think this this campaign is so worthwhile. How simple it is to do, and, and again. There's no fear if you kind of understand what you're doing. You follow what I'm saying? It's almost like I think a lot of people are afraid because they don't know what to do. Jenny, Dr. Dr. Kamalusi, can, can you talk for a little bit about how people just need to know and have the knowledge? Absolutely. It's just um, just like anything else. You know, these are basic life skills, uh, Chris. I usually tell, um, you know, my patients and students, right, uh, analogy is swimming. Mm-hmm. Got to know how to swim or be safe around the water. Right. Some, that's a basic life skill. Mm-hmm. And knowing the CPR is a basic life skill because, you know, it's we're not even looking at a football game or outside. Think about most of the sudden cardiac arrests. 70% of them happen at home because, you know, people live with elderly family members yeah. or someone with heart disease. So, the point you said, even a nine-year-old can save the life of a family member when they go down. So there should not be any fear because there's not much to you know do other than calling for help, get your hands on the chest, lower third of the sternum or the breastbone, and just do those compressions as deep as possible until the EMT arrives. It's all about awareness, education, uh, putting the plan into place. And I think this is just a, a, a nice campaign. I, I can't say this enough because the lives that can be saved, and we mentioned DeMar Hamlin, and this is a football weekend, and everybody's talking about the NFL and football, and DeMar Hamlin is one of those those life stories that's like, wow, I, would, I remember where I was when this happened. By the way, doctor, when you decided to become a cardiologist, did you know that CPR could save lives and that cardiac arrest was the number one killer in the world i did not know it was the number one killer in the world no we didn't know that we always thought about cancer as, yeah uh, yep and uh interesting fact is more and more data comes out we realize it's the heart disease that's the number one killer even in women that's the number one killer and sudden cardiac arrest is the number three cause of death in the united states and, and, uh, when, and when you yeah. first started, like as a cardiologist, when you decided that, I mean, I'm sure you might have been in college or in high school. And you said, I'm going to be a cardiologist. I mean, was was it about heart disease and or was it about the heart or was it about cardiac arrest? What what drew you to this particular part of medicine? It's the the one that drew me, uh, you know, this particular part, Chris, is sudden cardiac arrest and the wow. heart disease um, mm-hmm. in, you know, in general, because it's such a preventable disease. Uh, the 
cardiac disease. Not all sudden cardiac arrests are preventable, but there is a component of uh, heart attacks tied to sudden cardiac arrest. And this uh, American Heart Association has a big movement in parallel to what they're doing with this hands-only CPR is preventive aspect of diet, quitting tobacco, eating healthier, oh, exercising yeah and keeping their numbers. So, you know, that's what draws me to cardiology is, you know, there's a lot of prevention that can be done. And we also have uh, treatments for majority of our diseases that our patients have. So can you talk about some of those treatments? Yes, absolutely. So if someone uh, has sudden cardiac arrest and survives and, uh, you know, makes it to the hospital, that's Mm -hmm. our goal. Um, Then, you know, we do heart cath cardiac catheterization to make sure they do not have a blocked artery. And if they do not have a blocked artery, then we also make sure that the heart's pumping function, which is the ejection fraction, is uh, normal or low. And then we get the genetic history and look at other factors. And then uh, to prevent further events from happening, we do implant defibrillators. Defibrillators Mm -hmm. um, prevent sudden cardiac arrest and death uh, from this event. Uh, Obviously, there's no reversible cause. And in some cases, we do procedures called ablation procedures because sudden cardiac arrest uh, happens in most cases due to rapid rhythms coming from the bottom chambers called the ventricles. And we do an ablation procedure to cure or fix those premature ventricular complexes or ventricular tachycardias. This is so interesting, and there's this one phrase, AED. Can you tell me what that means? Because that's part of the whole key of of working together, the the AED box uh, and the and the pads and the the you know the fibrillation and and those things. Yes. So the AEDs are easily available. They're automated. They're external defibrillators. Mm -hmm. So they're available anywhere in the majority of the schools and airports and big uh, sports arenas. Um, Just making a note in your mind as you go to big uh, areas, especially, you know, where there's a lot of crowd, just making a note, mental note of where the AED is located is important. And if people have not had a chance yet to touch an AED, you can go to a fire station and uh, just go touch an AED. Yeah, very easy to use. Um, You know, so part of the CPR efforts right after the patient is resuscitated Mm -hmm. or you the CPR or doing it, put the AED patches, it'll guide you. So put a patch on the chest, you know, two patches and then connect it to this automated box. There's a electronic screen and that screen guides you. Okay, I'm analyzing the rhythm take your hands off. Once it analyzes the rhythm, if it is a rhythm that's contributing to the sudden cardiac arrest, the AED automatically delivers a shock. And uh, shocks have shown to save lives, especially if the rhythm is the ventricular rhythms, arrhythmias. You know, so wild, you you led me right up to where I was going to go with this. That shock from the AED, they say, has saved nine out of 10 lives. That's how effective it is. And I think you said even kids can use it over the age of um, nine years old, over the age of eight, they can help. Mm -hmm. They can use a standard AED. Yes, that's absolutely right. It's uh, user friendly. And like I said, it's very digital. It gives you, uh, you know, it talks to you. Mm -hmm. So there's no fear around it. Just getting hands around it just to get a feel for it would be a great uh, exercise if people have a free weekend and want to do something, this would be something fun and cool to do as a family too. Exactly. In fact, just like I said, it's just making 
just being prepared is no different than learning how to swim or being aware of how uh, to swim or, or how to behave around a swimming pool if you're a younger kid or an older adult or a senior. It's just the little things that can actually save some lives. Hey, Jenny, are you still with us? I am. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you just fine. I want to run this Ready? past you again. I'm, I'm so glad that uh, DeMar Hamlin is involved with this. And I want to go back to his story for just a minute because, you know, I'm in the world of sports a lot. I'm, I'm a sports announcer and I got a talk show like that at sports as well. And I thought it was really important when they saved his life you know, both teams, the, the Bills and the Bengals, they all wanted to see him at the hospital. Uh, they rescheduled the game. I remember I was watching on one of the news shows, and at that time, within weeks, I think, I don't want, I hope I don't mispronounce his name, Dr. Sanja Gupta. He's a very famous doctor. And he was saying yes. that because DeMar is not just like a regular person, he's a professional athlete in tip-top shape, he may be able to resume his career. And when he said that, I was like, well, wait a minute. I was just hoping he'd be able to walk again. I was just like, I was hoping, you know, maybe he'll be able to spend time with his family, that he wouldn't be in the hospital that long. Or, you know, I was hoping he would just get back to a normal life. And Dr. Gupta said, you know what? I think because he's a professional athlete, he stays in shape year round. He's always been in shape. I really do think he can resume his career. And then I was thinking, as I heard this, I was like, okay. Maybe in another year or two, he might be able to resume. He actually started playing football again in the off-season, the off-season conditioning programs. He got back together with the Bill. I mean, it's just a remarkable story. So I think, Jenny, I just think it's just an amazing thing that he is there to share his story and be a part of this entire program, this this campaign to get everybody involved with the nation of lifesavers. Can you talk about what you thought about when you heard that he was on board and, and how big it is that he's a part of this? Absolutely. I mean, he's an incredible spokesperson because yes. he has been through it. And I think so. to your point, we hear cardiac arrest and we don't think there's much of a life post-cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the American Heart Association has done a lot of work with some, you know, research over time and and many, many years to ensure that we can live lives post a cardiac arrest event, you know, and, and Damar Hamlin is one incredibly fit human being. And it's just, it's so powerful because so many of us saw that happen Mm -hmm. and to have his name associated with nation of lifesavers and, and bold hearts is, is just incredible, but we want to make sure it's not just Damar Hamlin. Uh, You know, I think, when you were you know, post the football, when we were all watching, yeah. post you know, a couple of days later, they said, you know, he he's gonna he's got so many great signs that he's showing us because action happened quickly, right? And I think that's something I want to make sure that we absolutely highlight is that there was not people did not wait; they had a plan. They knew what to do. They and I think they talked about how the trainers and physicians had walked through exactly what happens in you know, the, the far-fetched case of an emergency, mm-hmm. they still walked through that plan and knew what to do. And that's what we want to see happen with other youth sports leagues. You know, we want to ensure that there are cardiac response plans in place so that it's not just 
professional athletes that are living and being able to, to play, but that our young athletes that are experiencing sudden cardiac arrest, that there is also a plan in place, ready to go, actionable steps that can be taken to ensure that they too can live, you know, if obviously if doctors clear them and if, if their condition is not something uh, different uh, and adding in other uh, factors, but that they too can get back on that field. But we all have to be ready to act in uh, the case of an emergency quickly. And, and Damar Hamlin is the perfect example of what can happen when everything works like it should. Jenny, you're nailing this because CPR, especially <laughs> if performed immediately, it can double or triple a person's chance of survival. So I guess the call to action is join the nation of lifesavers today, learn CPR, save a life, and I think there's a goal. The American Heart Association has a goal of, uh, what's the, is it double? The survival of cardiac arrest by 2030? Is that what it is, double? I think so, Jenny. I think that's exactly what the goal is. You're right. It is. It is the goal. It's, we right now, about 1 in 10 people survive. So you've got 350,000 cardiac arrests. Uh, we, want, we want double that to be able to survive. Um, and so we've got we've got some work to do. We want it not to be one in 10. We want it to be at least two in 10 by 2030. And so that will happen by getting our message out there. More people knowing CPR, one person, at least one person in every household will be able to change that number. And the bottom line is the knowledge of knowing how to properly perform CPR can and has encouraged more and more people to act when faced with a cardiac emergency. And these emergencies, because like you said, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Tamarisa, you were saying it could happen in the household because it could be a senior. It could be a kid. It could be anybody at the dinner table, let alone if you're at a restaurant somewhere or on an airplane or if you're just out and about. And as you mentioned, Jenny, it's, it could be with kids playing playing sports, you know, uh, at middle age, uh, excuse me, middle school age or high school age or even younger than that. So, so Dr. Uh, Tamarisa, is there one final thing you want everybody to know? Is there one last word you want to pass along to all of our listeners? Educate yourself, get in there and save lives. Jenny, anything you want to share uh, with everybody from the American Heart Association? I'm going to copy her. Um, no CPR and just know that you can save a life. You can all save lives. And again, the nation of lifesavers, this is what it's all about. Join the nation of lifesavers today. Learn CPR, save a life. Let everybody know in your family, you care about them. And it's no different than either learning how to swim or at least learning what to do. If somebody is in a situation where there's, you know, around a pool and, oh, my goodness, you got to save somebody. CPR is just that simple, and it can save those lives. Thank you again for joining us, uh, Dr. Tamarisa, and thank you very much for joining us, Jenny, Jenny Ayer. Thank you all for joining us on Better Living, a show about people or organizations having a big impact in North Texas. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. So long, everybody. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle.
vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.